Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. Even if you know nothing about ballet, even if you know nothing about classical music, you're guaranteed to know the first few bars of this song. The Nutcracker is a Christmas classic. Tchaikovsky's music is timeless, and to play the lead role of the Sugar Plum Fairy is a dream for a lot of dancers. That dream came true for Dawn Atkins. She's a principal dancer at Miami City Ballet, and she's dancing the lead role to the Nutcracker. Dawn shot through the ranks at Miami City Ballet in record time. In two years, she went from soloist to principal. It hasn't been an easy journey to get here. Boarding school as a teen, a career-threatening injury, constant pressures over body image and physique. Don says it only made her stronger. You can see her in the Nutcracker at the Adrian Arsh Center through Christmas Eve. Then you can catch the show closer to Don's home in Palm Beach County at the Kravis Center in West Palm Beach through the end of the year. Don, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I, I um, we're, we're happy to have you, obviously, because the show is such a, it's such a, cultural class, such a cultural American mm -hmm. classic, right? And I think people don't appreciate what it takes then to play a role like yours, to be to get to the role of principal in a one of America's major dance companies. So, yeah. so I'm excited to talk to you about the show, but also yeah. about you, you know? Thanks. So in, let's start with the play, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, the, the ballet. Why do you think the Nutcracker is one of these, these, these pieces that just endures? Um, it's approachable. So mm. I think what is special about the Nutcracker is that families can come and know nothing about ballet and still have a really great time. The kids enjoy it. I think the parents enjoy it. I think it's just a really good introduction to ballet and it helps. Um, to me, it's like a pillar of the holidays. Like it's Nutcracker season more than it's Christmas to me. Um, but I think a lot of people feel that way. Like it just pairs the it pairs with the holiday so well, and it's a good thing for anyone, even if you don't know anything about ballet. Right. Like it feels like for a lot of people, the Nutcracker is like maybe the maybe the only ballet that they might know, or it's and or it's the ballet that they go to every year. Exactly. Right. Like it's the mm -hmm. one thing that people look forward it's to. It's a tradition for a lot of people. Right. Um, including the dancers. Like I was talking to someone recently about <laughs> they were like. So how, how many years have you done the Nutcracker? And I'm 29, so I was like, I've done this ballet. It has been in my life every Christmas for 24 years. Oh, my God, since you were yeah. like a, a little yeah, kid, since, since you were five was, years old. Yes. So, like, but I, I never really thought of that until someone asked me, and I was like, oh, my God. Well, I want to say <laughs> so many years. none of my kids are, are ballet dancers, mm -hmm. but they all did dance at some point and they all did the nutcracker at some point yep. whether it's like a school production mm -hmm. uh, i mean it was a school production yeah but that seems like where a lot of people get their exposure to it is yes. like yeah. and talking about why it's approachable because it's like visually it's kind of straightforward storytelling right yes i think the storyline um is quite universal so like sometimes different story ballets can vary more but nutcracker is generally you're going to you're going to know what's going on. Right, right. Um, The sets, the costumes, the dancing, like it's all, yeah, like visually very easy to follow. Right. Um, it's, it's like not this too bridge. Long. It's like the bridge yes. from, from like a play. Yes. Like if you're comfortable seeing 100%. plays, it's like a bridge to getting into into ballet from there. Yes. Now, totally. now no talking. 
<laughs> right. I remember actually the first year I saw the Nutcracker, I guess I was a little too young to be in it. Mm-hmm. And my mom told me it was a play without speaking. And I remember thinking, that's going to be weird. Oh, but that was a good, that was good instruction from your mom. Yeah. Yeah. And then I loved it and was like, I want to be in that next year. Oh. You know, like, I want to do that. What? Where did you start to go see it? Um, it was at the the ballet studio that I danced at as a little kid. Um, and where was that? In Vermont. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was Sherry Adams School of Dance, I remember. Um, and yeah, that's where we started ballet. So Amazing. Yeah. Um, and I guess what was it about that art form that really stuck out to you? I don't know why. <laughs> From the start, I loved it. And I was the one that asked my mom to be enrolled in ballet. Like we, she had signed us up for a lot of activities, but I was really like pushing that I wanted to, to dance and try ballet class. And I mm-hmm. loved it. Um, and like when you're, a little kid and you go to ballet class it's really movement class like you're you maybe put a tutu on and you act like a fairy or you're learning your first position in your plies or you're skipping like things like that and apparently from the start I was always asking to go to the bar because that's what I saw the older girls doing that were like ballerinas they were at the bar right so I was, I was like when do we go to the bar like I was ready to be serious that, that's how I was at 20 um, years old before I turned 21 how do I right, when do I get right. to the bar no different bar I'm kidding you're talking about physically the bar <laughs> yeah, where you the do ballet where you stretch bar. in the mm-hmm. ballet bar yeah and but like what was it about <laughs> Elisa's making fun of my dad jokes in the uh, in the control room here but um you know people I don't think did you did you realize what a physical toll that this 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 sport had i think what's appealing to a lot of dancers about the art form and probably why it's just so captivating to us is that it is physical Hmm. but it's also very mental so it's um just it just requires like a level of discipline that you don't need for so much of your day-to-day life Mm -hmm. um so it's like to me it's intriguing um i did not realize I guess at, at the time when I was a kid and stuff, how physical it is because you don't really think about things like that. And um, also your body recovers really fast at that age. You don't... Yeah, you just bounce off things. Yeah, you just re- you just bounce back real fast. And as you get older, it's a little bit slower. <laughs> um, I'm curious where, where the Nutcracker falls into like degree of difficulty for different ballets. Like is it is it like entry level, intermediate? Like where where is it like for a... Um, for dancer, even at a high level. Yeah, so it will vary depending on the role that you're doing. I think, um, and and the version we do, George Balanchine's Nutcracker mm-hmm. at Miami City Ballet, which is the one that most people are familiar with. Yes, like I mean, seen. I think to me, it's like the quintessential version of the Nutcracker, and it's beautiful. Um, the choreography is quite hard; like the technical execution is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, what helps, I think. What, what varies with other productions that um, we do the Nutcracker every year. So we actually put it together quite quickly. We don't rehearse it for as many weeks as we would generally rehearse another ballet, say Swan Lake, um, which is just a different full-length ballet, because we do Nutcracker every year. So generally, like, I did the Sugar Plum Fairy last season. I did the Dew Drop last season um a lot of us unless there's unless you're new to the company generally you've done most of your roles already so it gets put together quite quickly and in that sense it's easier than some other ballets because you're just so familiar with it Mm. um difficult 
Betsy comes in because we do so many production or so many performances of the production. Right, you do. A, a, I think over it's twenty three or twenty four yeah. this year, um, which is a lot. So, like you guys have finished a run in Broward, mm-hmm. right? And now yep. you're at the Arsht. And we already had a week in Arsht. We have another week in Arsht, and then we go to the Kravitz Center. The Kravitz Center, which so, is nice, less less of a commute for you, I right? I Love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, just the duration of the production um, has its own challenges and especially this time of year you know if someone gets sick or something like that like that adjusts that adjusts all of the casting and then some people are doing double duty on things that maybe they weren't going to do and things like that so Nutcracker comes with like its own unique set of challenges right I, I was reading that um, that there's there's kind of like a Miami version of it, and I think I imagine that's more staging and costumes. Tell yes. me about like what is that? What is that? What is what sets that apart, Miami? Um, yeah, I think that um, the costuming is. I, I would imagine it's quite similar, but we have like kind of our own. We definitely have our own set of costumes, mm-hmm. and they are different. Our sets are different. Um, we have some cool. Um, effects that are unique to Miami. Oh, okay. Um, like what? What's in- uh, like lighting oh, okay. effects right. um, that are pretty neat. And I was talking to someone recently. I was like, it feels Miami. Like it feels like it appeals to our audience. Base. Yeah, I was joking with Elisa that probably you should somebody should be in a guayabera, like the Nutcracker should be in a guayabera, but she didn't think that that was such a great idea. No, she's shaking, shaking her, her head. head. <laughs> she's her head. She like that idea. Um, do you? Um, you know, I, I, you're you're playing this this the the principal role in it, and that also includes uh, the dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy, mm-hmm. which is like I think when people when you ask them to think of the Nutcracker, they think of either the piece we played at the beginning, which yep. is uh, from the 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 party scene, yep. or they think of this piece of music. And I think like it would be nice to hear some of it to put, put us in the holiday spirit and also to mm-hmm. kind of show what we're talking about here. Talk to us about that piece. Like when you, when was the first time that you really, that you started to dance that piece throughout the many times that you've done it over over your career, that you felt like you were getting something, like you were really getting something from it, like you were really interpreting that in a way. Um, so this role is, is really interesting because like I was saying, Nutcracker is not necessary. it's challenging, but some other ballets can be harder stamina wise, harder technical steps and whatnot. But I was, I remember last year was my first year doing the Sugar Plum Ferry in a professional company. And oh, here with Miami City Ballet? Yes. Okay. But just a, as a professional mm-hmm. dancer in general. And I was talking to a friend of mine. I was like, I'm nervous, like oddly nervous. Like Ooh. it's, it's a variation and a pas de deux. Like, I can do this. Like, I'm nervous, though. And we were talking about it's because the weight of being the Sugar Plum Fairy, that's probably the first thing we dreamt of being Mm. as a dancer, as a young dancer wanting to to pursue this career. If that's the first first ballet you've seen, then that is the epitome, right? You know, that's the prima ballerina. Like, that's her role. And so it just, like, has this kind of weight to it. so I remember acknowledging that last season and 
being surprised then during the performances how much I really enjoyed and like could just be in the moment because sometimes when you're nervous you aren't as in the moment as you want to be but with Sugar Plum I, I honestly just enjoy myself so much and I love I love it all but I, I enter and the angels are on the stage and I love looking at them like I make a point to make eye contact with all these little girls on stage and it just is so cool to to have those moments with them and they like smile back or some of them are a little nervous and like you know frozen right because you have these young little dancers that yeah, are part of the production me. yeah um, oh there must be an element of like you being able to see yourself as a kid yes i was an angel as a you like in that. the nutcracker one year as a kid like totally so it's very full circle um and then after the music we just listened to that's the variation the sugar plum fairy variation so i do that and i really love it because again i can like i have moments where I've kind of choreographed that I, I look at certain girls depending where they're standing and whatnot. Um, and then after that, I, I call all the other dances onto the stage and hot chocolate comes on. They all come on. And that's cool, too, because then as they bow to me, like I'm seeing like, all my peers and all my friends. And I just think that's like a cool moment because we don't always have like that kind of like eye contact interaction um, with so many of our peers in different ballets. So. I really like those moments. I imagine there's an element too of seeing yourself at different stages in your career, right? Mm-hmm. When you when you've done one play for when you've yes. known it for 20 yes. years, you've done all the parts, right? <laughs> yeah, it's really cool, and um, even just walking because after I do the the entrance and I do my variation, I'm in one costume, and then I have to go change into the tutu that I wear for the padada later on. Um, as I'm changing side from one side to the other of the stage like I pass a lot of the different kids and the different dances Mm. and they'll be like oh good luck or you know whatever and I always try to make a point to like see as many as I can because I remember what it was like to be like that little kid and like that's the sugar bone fairy you know like (laughs) whispering to your friends and stuff and it's just like so magical like I can hand that down like that was such a special time in my life I want to like help make it special for them right I want to ask you a little bit about going from it being kind of this dream thing to all the difficulties that it takes Mm -hmm. to go through once it be it I imagine there's a point where it goes from being this fun aspirational thing to just work to then kind of the combination of both again I want to get more into that but first we have to take a little break our guest today is Dawn Atkins She's a principal dancer with Miami City Ballet, who's the sugar plum fairy in the Nutcracker. You know, there is so much of of falling in love with a thing and then seeing how the sausage is made, mm-hmm. right? Like you get into the real details of what it takes yeah. to not just be this fun activity that you saw as a little kid, but then to continue it as a career. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm curious, what was that point for you? Like at what point did you start to, to, to decide that this was a thing that you wanted to do beyond just mm-hmm. for as a hobby and learning about some of the things it took to get there. Yeah, um, I was, I think, eight when I decided I wanted to be a professional ballet dancer. Oh, my God. So I was, I was really young, and, and I told my mom, I'm going to be a professional ballet dancer. I just told like, her, like, it was like, this is happening, just so you know. Right, right. Um, and as, like, having kids myself, <laughs> when they say that at eight, you're like, 
okay. Yeah. You know, yeah, my mom. I, I had okay, three, honey. I had three great. future professional volleyball players in my family. I'm right. Sure you if, do. If I had gone yeah. that route, so um, I'm curious how that went over. Yeah. So I mean, I think that like my mom was so supportive, signed me up for all the classes and everything, and okay, that's great. If you love it, like we'll keep you know taking you to class kind of thing. Well, um, that's that's having that support is so oh huge. so huge. Yeah. Um, and your mom did she have any kind of artistic or dance background no, or anything like that? No. So now, like she says, like everything she knows is just from you know the twenty some years of like living this with me. Um, oh, so she really started down the the path of dance and ballet just through just you because I loved it. Oh wow, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so at eight, I was I was also very strong-willed child i guess so i was like this is happening i'm just letting you i'm putting you all on notice that i'm gonna do this and um of course i think i knew hard work was necessary and i think i worked hard and everything but really when i got to um high school i went to north carolina school of the arts and seeing how a how talent how much talent there is out there and then also just how hard it is I mean the schedule there you were treated like a young professional so you had to do your academics and you had to do all of your you know dance classes rehearsals all of that stuff and it was hard it was like really a, challenging like at 14 years old then. yes so and I think we should step on this because you mentioned North Carolina mm-hmm. you're from Vermont yes so clearly this meant that part of the sacrifice meant leaving leaving home so by that point by the time I was in high school my family had already relocated to Virginia so it wasn't nearly as far Um, and I was fortunate that my mom and would come down quite often to visit but still yeah I I was more than ready and okay with kind of the sacrifice of and leaving home much earlier than most yeah I was Um, gonna say there's something to be said for even getting to that point right like when people talk about time commitments Give me an example. Like, what are the things that you were doing from the time where you decided that this was the thing you were very interested Mm -hmm. in to then going to a school, a boarding school that was specifically for this art form that was not cheap, I I assume, also for your family? Time commitment. Talk to me about that. Because I know your grandma, I think you told our our producer, Elisa, that that she was... She was helping carpool and driving me. And yeah, um, every day after school. So when I was very young, I was home For hours, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, when like, I was very young, I was homeschooled, so it was easy. I would go early and have a private lesson, and I would stay there and take all my classes. Um, so that was a lot. And then wow. I ended up going to just you know public school, and um, every day after school, you would go. I would go and have ballet class. Usually, it's more than just one class. You would have a couple of classes. So then you're getting home late. I ate dinner in the car all the time I did homework in the car all the time like that's very normal for these like young dancers that are kind of on that path where they they think they might want to get very serious and go the professional route Um, I missed most school dances most school football games I was definitely closest with my dance friends because my school friends I could never see like I can't hang out after school. I have ballet. Right. Um, I feel like there's a T-shirt with that on it. There is. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I I'll say, you know, my like I said, all my kids played uh, volleyball. One of them, mm-hmm. um, my my youngest, I remember it being 10:30 at night, and she's getting home and eating and showering, mm-hmm. and 
if she hadn't finished any homework doing that. Yeah. And like like you said, your volleyball friends, your dance friends become yeah. that's your world. And yeah. and you give things up. She she missed a Taylor Swift concert Oof. for a tournament. So I'm sure you had moments like oh, yeah. that you look back and you well, I mean, it's that trade off, right? Yeah. Like I'm gonna sacrifice this because I yeah. have this dream. Yes. Um weekends to um we had the Nutcracker rehearsals and everything. You know, we had classes and rehearsals and everything, spring showcase, whatever, um, all sorts of things. So really, like, you had to eat, breathe, sleep, ballet. But that was an easy choice for me. Oh. Um, I wanted never, to do that. There was never a – was there a – I mean, there, every – every professional especially some something that's so physical mm-hmm. you have a point right where you think is is this the thing am i going to continue on with this did you have that that question in your mind ever? um honestly not not ever that was super strong like i was so determined to do this mm-hmm. from such a young age and i loved it i still love it so much i'd actually say it's been since i've been a professional um there was several years ago, actually, it might sound silly, we lost a dog, our dog passed. Mm, I'm sorry. And um, it was a moment where I was like, wow, I spend so much time away from my family. And it made me like check in, like I have to, you know, I have to make the most of this career and, and it's requiring a lot of me. So I have to love it and I have to make the most of every second of that because I'm giving up a lot of time with my family and with you know this dog that I could have been home on evenings and weekends and stuff but instead I was performing and so because you can't be fully in one place and then fully in a in a professional career like this yeah yeah it's really hard to find that balance so yeah I, I'm curious you mentioned that there was um there was a point where you were injured yeah and that's a point I imagine that was the first time you weren't dancing consistently probably since you were five years old right? yeah um I guess it was 2015. I had a terrible knee injury and needed surgery. And it, I think the rehab took about eight months, give or take. Um, and I remember saying, like, what do, okay, what do I do? And they were like, you know, like your hobbies or something. And I literally had to be like, I don't, I don't have hobbies. Like, my hobby is to do ballet. This is all I've done since I was a kid. Seriously, like this has been like my focus, and you would do was, it for fun. You would do it in your off time. Yes. You would think about it in your yeah, off time. Totally, it was yeah. like my everything. And while I think that that there's a level of that to get where you want to get mm-hmm. to, um, it w- this injury was a moment where I really had to be like, I need to like rediscover some things. I need to think long and hard about some stuff and really figure out what are my interests, what is important to me what are the other sides of myself? Because while I'm a ballet dancer and that's a huge, huge part of my identity, it's not every facet of right. myself. So what did you discover? What kind of things did you begin to discover by yourself other than the realization like, oh, there are more sides to me that I haven't explored? Um, I enrolled in Northeastern University. So I, I, it was important to me to get um, an education. That's Boston? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I worked a lot on like developing the relationships I have with my family and with friends and friends outside of work too. Um, just like, I just think human connections really important and, and. Oh, give me an example of that. You said you're so like having, getting, spending more time with your 
like who like what um, friends family particular? yeah um yeah just family in general i guess and then also like i guess just being open to meeting friends outside of the dance world which you know we just talked about like growing up you're like so immersed in your world those are your closest friends and they understand you in a way that a lot of people other people don't but like my husband's not a dancer and so even just like being open to that like I was like I don't know who you are um but just kind of being open and then and through him and just through other people like developing friendships and being like I can actually learn a lot from a friend of mine that's in um defense contracting and a friend of mine that's in marketing and this and that like I can learn so much from them and they we're all going through such similar things but in such different industries and stuff so making a point to just develop that and cultivate those relationships I'm an animal lover so I got a dog during that time um yeah just things like that like what else interests me what what would I be happy doing how do I like to spend my time, which is with my dogs? <laughs> so when you when you came back from that after eight months, yeah. When you came back from that, how was your life different? Not just your performance, because I I'm curious too how yeah. your performance is different, mm-hmm. the expression of your art, mm-hmm. but also your life away. So, um, I am much more balanced now. So I mean, I think being able to commit a hundred percent of yourself to ballet is really important when you need to do that but then when you are able to walk away and have a weekend off a week off just the evening off really being present when you get home Mm. like okay I'm actually there I'm not still and this I mean this is a practice like by no means am I perfect at this but being able to separate and and acknowledge like okay whatever happened there like it doesn't my golden retriever doesn't care if I did a triple pirouette today you know like he loves me regardless um and just being able to like isolate those things like that doesn't define me solely um so yeah my life was different I think I guess I I was probably already dating my now husband I had a dog I was enrolled in school I was getting my real estate license I had other interests and hobbies and was reading this or listening to that podcast like I was trying to just like really open my eyes to like anything and everything wow you really had a moment where you where yeah. you began to, to search around yeah beyond beyond just what was your daily yeah your even daily if then it, like some things I'm sure I like started to look into and then I was like oh, never mind that's actually not for me but at least now I know that um and then in terms of just how my performance was different and how I was different as a dancer I think I was much more aware of my body and my body's needs like I learned a lot and I think that's very typical of injuries like you learn a lot about your body and um how you recover best how what your areas of weakness are all sorts of things um so that like my eyes were open to that quite a bit um and I think it took me a long time honestly to actually be back to where I wanted to be but I think that injury enabled me to be better than if I hadn't gone through that injury. Right. So I wouldn't change that as much as it was trying to go through it. Um, I wouldn't change that experience. Talk to me about, I mean, we uh, a couple months ago, we had a chance to talk to Jamar Roberts, mm-hmm. uh, who um, was... Uh, he brought a ballet here called Sea Change yes. to Miami. Uh, he's really one of the, one of the great uh, choreographers and dancers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he talked about 
the things outside of just the physical dance. In other words, like, you know, um, growing up in a, in a kind of transitional time where there was so much focus on your body had to be a certain way and mm-hmm. you had to eat a certain way. And, and, um, and I'm curious how you've like, how that fit into that whole, um, figuring out who you were is when you're dealing with some of these, these yeah. external pressures, you know? Totally. Um, I think that I've grown and evolved a lot with this concept through the course of my career, mm-hmm. but ballet is an aesthetic art form. So how we look is judged and that's hard sometimes and I think everyone has to find their own way through it to be at peace with their own body Mm. um and finding what everyone's different so like the way I eat might not be best for the like my friend that stands next to me at the bar you know whatever we're all different and similarly like I do a lot of Pilates I do a lot of strength-based exercises that I've actually picked up through my injuries Mm. and have been like this is just an area of weakness for me I need this is something I need to maintain and it helps me feel good and strong um so I just keep doing it you know or keep evolving the exercises so that um I keep growing with them but um we're all unique and I think that's kind of one of the key things that I learned is like what worked for someone might not work for me. Um, Is that something you had to, that you gave it, that you had to try at different points and see like, why is this not, why is this not taking whatever that is? Yeah. um, Just even just like the way, because everyone's different in, in how they, how they focus, Mm -hmm. I guess. So, or how they what their day-to-day is to to go in and do their best work. So some people, you know, like I'm very kind of strict throughout the week, very focused. I don't make a lot of plans like after work and stuff because generally I'm pretty tired. I just want to go home, have a good meal, spend time with my dogs, relax, do whatever recovery stuff I need. But some people thrive with social outings and stuff. So um, that's just one example. But I, I remember seeing being a younger dancer in the company and seeing, um, you know, higher ranked dancers that I really admired and trying to mimic what they did and it not working for me. And some people might not need to do nearly the amount of strength-based exercises and and whatnot that I needed to do. Or some people might need a lot more strategic recovery than I need. You know, it's all different, but yeah, like sometimes you have to learn the hard way. Like, oh, that actually doesn't work for me at all. And I need to go back to doing those exercises because I am losing that strength or, or whatever the specific thing is. Right. There's also something that's really interesting to me is the kind of the the way that instruction is given. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that's changed in in careers beyond beyond ballet. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it happens in sports. It happens in newsrooms. You know, the the culture of like the like the bullying, like the really like. Hard, like the the hard fisted, mm-hmm. you know, the iron fisted, and and I feel like you're kind of living through a transition of that, yeah. right? What what has that been like to see the way that instruction has changed and the way that that how to deal with with dancers has changed? Well, I have a couple thoughts on this. Um, I was speaking with someone actually about how it's difficult to to balance and to keep like a positive mentality through 
in our industry in, in particular because we get the feedback from like our coaches and the, you know like the staff we're getting feedback from them to make us better dancers which is good mm. but we're also staring in the mirror all day and critiquing ourselves Oof. and so sometimes like that can get very heavy for anyone um so just keeping perspective on that is very important and having self-compassion and also staying grounded like what is important to you outside of work like this is not the only thing that defines if you're successful or good or whatever um so I think that's one side of it but I think that like you were saying the way that critique is given the way we're coached all of that has been evolving in all industries um I feel very fortunate to be here in Miami City Ballet under under the direction of Lourdes Lopez because I feel that um I don't know people talk about like the chemistry between a coach and a player and how important that is like it has to be a good working relationship and I feel very fortunate to have a relationship where I feel pushed so not only by her but the entire staff is excellent I feel pushed to be my best self but I don't but in a way that's constructive and not um not I don't know it's not too much like it it pushes me to be my best and I just feel fortunate that we that I have that kind of relationship like it is a good working productive relationship and that's not to say I mean I think in any industry you go home sometimes and you're like man I feel defeated you know Mm -hmm. um just from sometimes it's like everything went well that day it's just it was really hard and you know I'm tired and stuff, um, but I just I feel really fortunate to be in the environment I'm in because I feel that we have excellent coaching. What What are some of the moments that you look back on and you're like, man, I'm grateful for that. That really taught me. That really taught me that what you're talking about that that idea of this um, how you best operate. You know, some of those moments, those people, and those moments that were really important to you yeah. to get to this point. Um, well. Honestly, like the first thing that comes to mind, I'm getting to learn the role of Firebird um, in the season coming up. It'll be, I think it's in February that we perform that. And not always, but oftentimes that role is actually played by a small dancer. Quite, um, It's very, um, it's like a very perky role. Um, sprightly, mm-hmm. actually, is like a good word for it. And so generally it's, it's a small dancer not always I've seen it otherwise but more often than not I've seen it with the small dancer and I'm getting to learn that role and it's I'm really excited and it's like a thing like that an experience like this that even when we get a lot of critique and and correction at work the fact that someone believes that like I'm capable of this I think that's that's where you can make the most progress. Like, it's not like you can list. I mean, no one's perfect. I'm not perfect. You can write a whole list of all the things I need to work on in any role, in Sugar Plum Fairy, in Firebird, in whatever. But if you have the belief that I'm capable of, of, of achieving this, then you can overcome, I think, any of the like criticism or critique that you're getting. So it's like having that belief in you matters. It breaks that that yeah. uh, ceiling or that that box that that you think that that role should 100%. be. One hundred percent. 
Our guest today is Miami City Ballet dancer Dawn Atkins. She grew up in Vermont and she lives in Palm Beach. Now she's currently in the Nutcracker with Miami City Ballet through December 30th. We talked about kind of breaking out from expectations, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it seems like this role you're going to play in February is one of those. Tell me about that. So if I, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, a ballet connoisseur. So what is Firebird? What is the, what is the ballet? What do you like about it? Yeah. So we will perform Firebird in February. Mm -hmm. um, it's part of a mixed program, so there'll be other ballets with that. Mm -hmm. um, it's basically about this mystical majestic firebird um and she kind of saves the prince um when he needs it and um she gives him her feather and he can call on her when he needs her and he does um i like that she's saving the prince me too the, right yeah that's right? true that thing i like head? that yeah um <laughs> and it's it's a very like sprightly role generally um so being that i'm tall um you're about how tall i'm five eight yeah yeah and um not to say this role hasn't been done by tall dancers it has but um at least for me when i think of the role i wouldn't have really thought of myself but i'm grateful that i'm getting the opportunity to dance it um and and i'm looking forward to kind of like the challenge that how i dance it will be different than others that dance it that are smaller well, that's interesting to me is is how you when something is choreographed how much room do you have to interpret and bring your own expression to it um i think that like we jokingly say like oh that's artistic freedom um like i can i can't change the steps i felt i fell that's artistic freedom yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i can't change the steps like i have to do mm. um i have to do all of the choreography but i think the way you dance it and kind of the um, persona that you're bringing to the table can vary and so for me like I, I've have to dive into it more but I think um, focusing way more on like the majestic side of it I think will read far better than more of that like sprightly attack that some other dancers can bring really beautifully. Right. It's interesting that that different roles throughout time have had like a different, um, uh, um, almost like a like an image of what kind of dancer should mm -hmm. fit into that role. Oh, very much so. I, yeah. Do you feel like that's changing at all? Um, I do think that it's changing, um, certainly. But it's funny that there, I mean, for a lot of things, a lot of roles, there's kind of that, that image that you have, like that is the Sugar Plum Fairy, mm -hmm. and that is Dewdrop, and that is XYZ, you know. Um, I think it's changing, and I think it's actually kind of exciting. It's a fun challenge if mm -hmm. you're casted in something that you wouldn't be expected to be. That's sometimes like my favorite kind of thing to do, is because I get to be like, you underestimated me, let me show you kind of thing. Um, well, I, I very much like, I, I'm. I'm not a huge uh, theater guy and musical nerd, but I've seen Hamilton like three or four times. <laughs> and and like I think that's an instance of a play where you kind of turn roles on their heads. Like mm -hmm. like what does the president look like? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I, and and that's why it's so much. It's so curious to see how sometimes something can 
break a format. Do you remember a time where you remember seeing someone or there being a production where something kind of broke out of the mold that really taught you something about, you know, how how artistic in, uh, inspiration can can kind of break your expectations? Actually, kind of what comes to mind is um, when I first came to Miami City Ballet, I performed a role in George Balanchine's Diamonds. Hmm. Um, I did the principal in that. And I didn't really realize that I was doing it that differently than anyone else. But many people told me like, oh, I've never seen it danced like that. And I, I didn't realize. I had been rehearsing it and everything. I was like, oh, I didn't. I didn't go into this with the approach to do it differently. I just went into it with the approach to do it my way, like just be myself mm -hmm. in this role. And so I found, I remember thinking that was really interesting that so many people said it was different. Yeah, how did you receive that feedback? Like how did, what did that, what did that tell you about what people expected from that role? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still guess I don't know what someone expected, what other people would expect from it, but it did give me the confidence to, to go into a role my way. So to listen mm. and to hear the feedback and to like, we do the choreography, all this stuff we build and stuff. But then at the end of the day, this is live performance and we are artists. So I have to be myself and, and do it essentially my way, like be me in whatever said role is well i think it speaks to someone was watching you the whole time lourdes was watching you the whole time uh the choreographer and and seeing that the whole time mm -hmm. uh you know ostensibly must have been seeing what you were doing the whole time and appreciating it and, yeah. and letting you kind of make it your own so to speak right yeah i i suppose um yeah like all my coaches because we worked with several we're definitely seeing this process, you know, unfold. We had been working on it and and continued to coach me. And oftentimes, because there's multiple casts mm -hmm. of the same roles, mm -hmm. we'll be in the room with two or three other couples that are also doing the same role, but just different evenings or different performances. Um, so you, you do hear different notes and different critiques being made for each couple. It's very personalized. Um, so you kind of listen and then take like, oh, that doesn't apply to us because we do it a little bit like this or, oh, okay, we didn't know that. So let's try to make sure we do that kind of thing. Um, so all that was happening. So, I, you know, it's funny because I'm like, I got this. I think I got the same information. But um, yeah, that was that was a cool moment and gives you some confidence that you can you can be individual with it. Right. I'm curious what what being part of Miami City Ballet has been like for you because this was your like you moved to Florida mm -hmm. kind of on a whim you never lived down here mm -hmm. right and I guess what has it been like to to what have the audiences and reactions been like now that especially you've been in this role now for a couple of months I don't I guess I don't really know what the audience's reactions are um do you not get a lot of feedback in that way no it's actually really interesting we don't get much feedback from what the audience said or thought. Um, obviously, we hear like the applause um, at the end of a show or at the end of a section or of something. Um, so that gives you some indication. Um, but we don't hear like a lot. But but does anyone like I guess 
I'm thinking like. Well, we get emails. <laughs> oh. uh, they don't. They just don't. The, maybe the staff just doesn't share the emails. <laughs> um, no, so we don't get it. We don't get like a ton of direct feedback like yeah. that. But. Um, yeah, how would you do it if if uh, if you were getting that kind of feedback? Because that's tough too. Is is getting? That oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, well, what talk to me about some of the the other shows that you're, other things that you're interested in that you're excited about this this year? Oh, this year, this the rest of the season is really awesome um, and really diverse too. Um, we'll go into like I, I mentioned, Firebird, which is a George Balanchine ballet. We'll do. Um, Concerto DSCH, which is a Rotmansky ballet, which is really exciting. Those are both in the same program and so different. Um, both beautiful and both so different. Um, there's some other things in that. The next program following that program, um, again, it like is very diverse. Um, we'll do a we'll do a piece called Agon, which is very neoclassical, kind of a uh, a typical black and white ballet by George Balanchine. Um, what does that mean to be a black and white ballet? Um, I think that I may not be 100% accurate on this, but I think the term comes from um, there. He has many ballets that are in black leotards hmm. or black and white leotards. Mm-hmm. Um, so very neoclassical. Um, not a lot of staging, not a lot of Right, setting. like no sets. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, that's a that's a big challenge too to do a, a ballet yeah. like that. Words it requires. We're like, we're like Sugar Plum Fairy and Nutcrackers. You have your wand, and you've mm-hmm. got the angels, and you've got the cool background, um, scrim and the throne, and all that. Yeah, and then you go into something like Agon that there's no sets, and you're just in tights and a leotard, and you don't even. I don't even think we wear earrings. We don't have any headpiece. Like it's very minimalistic in so many ways. Um, the music is by Stravinsky, so very different oh, than Tchaikovsky, of course. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and we'll finish the season. There's a bunch of other really cool things, too, in the middle of all that. But then we also will finish with um, Rotmansky's Swan Lake. So that's a good... Um, a good crowd pleaser generally people love swan lake um it's a beautiful beautiful ballet um very challenging so is is there in the last minute or so we have left is there a dream role that you're now that you're a principal that you're like i would love to get a chance to do this or i am going to get a chance to Um, do yeah i never truly i never thought i would ever be the swan queen i never thought i would do that role and i'm getting two now and it's something I, I truly like kind of wrote off like, oh, I don't think that'll ever be in the cards for me. Why? Um, I just didn't I just didn't see it working in my trajectory. And I don't know, I guess then I kind of came here and I felt like people really believed in me. And now I'm getting to do it. Well, I think I think uh, audiences of of, uh, of all different backgrounds are going to get a chance to see uh, you express yourself in new ways, and Thanks. and going to see roles uh, reinterpreted because yeah. of your work. Yeah, I hope so. Don, thank you so much for spending the hour with us. Thank it was you. a real treat. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you. Our guest today was Don Atkins. She's a principal dancer with Miami City Ballet, who's the Sugar Plum Fairy in the Nutcracker. She'll be performing in Miami and West Palm Beach through December thirtieth, and that's Sundown for Monday, December eighteenth. 
Leslie Ovalle Atkinson is our lead producer. Our producer is Elisa Baena. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News, and Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Meritz is WLRN's VP of Radio, and our engineer is Richard Ives. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at gopalo.com. You can download a podcast of this program. Just search for WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. Coming up tomorrow on the program, our year-end books chat with Sundial buddy Mitchell Kaplan. He's the owner of South Florida's beloved bookstore chain, Books and Books. We'll talk about our favorite books of 2023 and what we're looking forward to next year. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only. Public Media.